Welcome to Quick Shots, a short format traditional archery podcast where we introduce you to some of the world's most influential traditional archers and occasionally some random dudes. Hey everyone, welcome back to Quick Shots. And if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe and hit that bell notification. We upload a new episode every Wednesday and they just keep getting better and better. If you or someone you know is an interesting trad archer, leave a comment below. We'd love to get you on the show. If you want to support the channel, head on over to the tradlifearchery.com. We have toques, we have hats, we have mugs, just a bunch of stuff over there. And anything you buy goes to support this channel. We do really appreciate it. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Uh, I'm your host, Mick Chambers, and we're talking to Millie Williams uh, from... You're living in Great Britain right now, right, Millie? I am, yes. And welcome to the show, man. This is awesome. We're so international. I love it. Uh, thank you for... Um, Allowing us to talk to you today. That's so crazy and great. Uh, I love it. Um, That's awesome. Hey, why don't we start off by telling everyone who you are and what you do? Uh, And uh, obviously traditional archery, but uh, give us your background. Um, Well, yeah, I'm Millie, currently living in England, um, but grew up in Wales. So all Great Britain, but sort of slightly over the border now. started shooting when I was 11, um, sort of most of my junior years, it was just the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I sort of got a bit older, I got into competitions and things like that. Um, and yeah, I shoot pretty much every bow style, every discipline, every organization, uh, but mostly it's uh, traditional and 3D. I will tell you, I've been a fan of yours. Um, I've been, uh, a fan of yours on Instagram for a while. It's just because you post these videos of your draw and your release. Um, your your shooting process is amazing, and we'll jump into to that in a little bit. But let's dig into a little bit more of you know your 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 background and getting into traditional archery. What how how did you get started in doing traditional? Um, well, I started off Babo. Um, the club that I joined as a kid was mostly Babo. Um, couldn't get the hang of string walking as a kid, didn't like it, hated it. Um, so slow, uh, well, quickly changed to a traditional category, which is just a wooden, recurve wooden arrows here in the UK. Yeah. Um, from that, had some friends who were shooting horse bows. Um, so I got one of them, absolutely loved it. Um, went compound for a little bit, that was weird. Quickly went back to traditional. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's horse bow isn't a recognized bow style pretty much anywhere here. Uh, so when I started getting into competitions, um, I went English longbow, yeah. which is a category in most organizations, most disciplines have an English longbow category here in the UK. Um, shot that for quite a while. And then 2014, I qualified for the British 3D team um to shoot in the world archery european championships and i qualified for an english longbow but the world archery longbow category is made up of flat bowers so we wouldn't call that longbow here um mm. but internationally a longbow is flat bow with a shelf yep sort of laminated carbon and things so it's like oh okay uh, so i've been invited to the european champs i was like I can take a longbow, which I'm used to, where it's not as accurate. I know I'm not going to 
sort of have real chance against people shooting these more modern flat bows, or I can go ahead and get a flat bow and try and see if that's something I can do, which is the route I ended up going down. Yeah, that's interesting that you make a distinction there and, and that the your federations make that distinction and the world makes a distinction, obviously, too. So the English longbow, no shelf, you know, you're using, you're shooting off your 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 knuckles, right? You're, a, yeah. you're one of those ser- uh, weird left-handers, too, aren't you? I am. Ah, yes. I was hoping well, it was just a camera. Um, I, for the first seven years that I was shooting, I was shooting right-handed. Um, and then I turned about 18, 19 Somebody told me what I dominance was, um, and I was like, "Oh, that explains why I've spent sort of all of my junior year shooting, not really being able to hit anything." <laughs> um, and yeah, that was a sort of weird year learning how to shoot left-handed. Um, I could tell pretty quickly just based on like how I was now able to aim and things lined up in a way that they never had before. I knew that that was going to be better for me, but it was a while before my body caught up with that. So that, so you qualified as an English longbow man, mm-hmm. woman, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I, hate, <laughs> I, hate, I don't know. The, I don't know what the vernacular is for that. Um, but okay. So you qualified with English longbow, um, mm-hmm. but then, sorry, tell the rest of that story. Did you actually end up switching over to a, um, we just call it longbow uh, or a flat bow. Did you end up switching over to something with a shelf and laminations? Yes. Um, so the first, um, I, I always call them English longbow and flatbow. I could nice. very rarely call anything a longbow just because it gets right. way too complicated. Okay. Um, but yeah, the first flatbow I started playing around with was right-handed because I was shooting right-handed at the time. Um, but then when I decided to make the switch to flatbow, um, yeah, I was fully left-handed by that point. Sort of bought a sort of second-hand one to just see if it was something I could get on with. Shot that for my first international, and then sort of saw all the bows that all the other people were shooting. Yeah, and I was like, these are beautiful. They are sort of so pretty. I need to get myself like a pretty long bow, a uh, flat bow. Well, you know what they say: the prettier the bow, the better you shoot. That's just truth. That's the truth. Of the matter. <laughs> hey, um, how can you tell us, tell me anyway, kind of educate me on how do you become a international competitor for your country? Like, how did you do that? It was quite a weird journey for me at the time because um, under world archery, 3D hasn't been a thing internationally for that long. Okay. Um, the first time I went, I think it might have been the third or the fourth uh, championships World Archery had run under 3D. So it was still very new. Um, 3D wasn't a thing that was shot under Archery GB organizations. Um, Archery GB is our subsection of World Archery. Okay. So 3D wasn't a thing that was shot um, under World Archery rules in the UK. So the first two or three times I made the 3D team, I had to qualify shooting feeder field and marked rounds because that was the closest thing we had here to sort of judge whether you would understand it where you could compete internationally, which was quite weird. So, yeah, the first 
time I was on team, I qualified with an English longbow shooting at round targets. Um, we shoot on the blue pegs out to 50 metres. Wow. And then qualified and had to switch to a flat bow and also learn how to shoot 3D. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you qualified in a field round um, and then you you made the team do you got to be like the, the in the top five or the top two to make the team um at the time uh, we have classifications in the uk um grand master bowman is the top master bowman is second one and we had to get a score that was sort of halfway between the two on a field round to be considered for the team and then out of the people who got that score there was then certain people were selected Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. So you've represented your country how many times then? Six, I think. Now. And you're just so young. I mean, I mean, I don't want to call that out, but I mean, you know, you're very young to be representing your team, your, your country for that, that many times internationally. Um, it's, yeah, it's one thing I love about sort of archery and especially the 3D side of things is I've been on the team going to internationals with sort of 13-year-olds on the senior team and also people in their 60s. Yeah. And it's such a wide range of people who sort of are competing at a high level. And I just love that it's a sport for everyone. It's really good. Now, who, who's been your teacher? Who's been your coach? Because... Again, I want to emphasize, if you haven't seen Millie, uh, Minions of Nurgle on Instagram, go give her a follow and then just take a look at the smooth uh, draw and the smooth uh, release and just... I get a lot of hate for how I shoot online. So many people hate how it doesn't look traditional. I get accused of like pretending to be a trad archer when I'm really a recurve archer. It's... (laughs) A lot of people don't like it, but a lot of people do. It's, it's very divisive. Wow. Wow. I, I cannot believe that because so, so are you doing sort of a like who was your coach and, and then how did you get to that level? I'm going to say I don't care what those other people are saying, the negative <laughs> comments, because if I you, don't like that. Yeah, I, I don't care about those negative comments because I'll tell you right now, that is what people aspire to be. Um, like we all aspire as traditional archers to get that smooth a draw and to be, have that smooth a release and follow through, to be quite honest with you. So tell me a little bit about who coached you and how long you've been or have, or did you learn it all on your own? I don't know. Tell us. Um, I've always shot at clubs. So I've never been sort of shooting at home, learning my own way like that. Um, but yeah, beyond the sort of introduction, learn how to shoot and not kill anybody lessons. It's mostly been me just trying things out, seeing what works for me, seeing what doesn't, talking to other archers, sort of like seeing what you do, why do you do it that way? And again, learning from everyone. So um, English longbowers and traditional archers and recurvers and bayboers and even compounders, mm-hmm. sort of across target and field and 3D. Yeah. I've shot all of them. So I've just taken the bit from all of those different people and both styles and disciplines that make sense to me. And that has sort of become how I shoot. Wow. You could, you could teach that. That's, it's really good. It's really good. And again, I, I don't care who hates that. That's, that's ridiculous. That's just a ridiculous comment. If you're getting that kind of hate online. 
Um, I mean, be, be a judge for yourself. If you listen to this, go check it out and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we're, you're on the show, really, because one, you're international, you're really interesting. And, and of course, you represent your country. But uh, just I think you're an incredible example of how people should shoot their bow, uh, whether they're traditional or not, to be honest with you. It's really good. Um, why don't you give us a little bit? So c- currently, what what's your favorite bow? You say you shoot across all disciplines, but if you had to go pick up a bow, I said you could have one bow and you got to shoot that. What's your bow? Oh, look at this. We got visuals. That one. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, this is my um, Blackbrook Sigma. It's made by, well, it was made by Andy Swords here in the UK. Unfortunately, he has now retired. Um, I have heard some swords have been passing the business on to something else, uh, to somebody else. So hopefully, sort of that's going to go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a D-shaped flat bow, um, 66 inches. So it's, I've got a 24 inch draw length. So mm. it's quite tall for me. It's very uh, stable, not as fast as a lot of bows uh, people I'm shooting against have, but for 3D, which is what I would say I'm most competitive in, um, we only shoot out to 30 meters underworld archery. Yeah. So you don't really need the speed. It's more about having a bow that you know that you can control. I know if I shoot a good shot, I'm going to hit the target, which is the mental reassurance I need to sort of have the confidence to go for the shot in 3D and not try and on the side of caution and go for a safer shot that might not go as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's great insight. Um, we probably, let's talk about that in a second. Um, and I want to understand your shot process and what you're thinking about and how you deal with pressure, because honestly, that's a huge amount of pressure. Um, but let's talk, keep, keep on the lines of the, of your equipment. So what poundage are you, what's on your fingers right now? Um, the flat bow is 38. So th- you're pulling 38 pounds. Yeah. Okay. So you're 38 pounds and, and what are you using wooden arrows? Okay, and do you have to use that for world archery or? Uh, yes, it's um, wooden arrows and uh, natural feathers. Okay, do you have a company that you're using for your wooden arrows that you want to give a shout out to at all? Um, I get my shafts from the Longbow Emporium here in the UK, okay. who's absolutely amazing at sort of sending out spine-matched sets within a couple of grains of each other. Um, at, when I first started, I did physically go to a shop and like weigh and spine test all the shafts and wow. look for the straight ones and would spend hours trying to find a match set. So spending a couple of extra quid and having that done for me is totally worth it. Um, but yeah, I make my own arrows, um, sort of bit of yacht varnish, stick a point and knock and some feathers on and good to go. Yeah, there you go. And you're shooting lights out like that. So that's amazing. Um, I don't know if you use that expression in the UK, but I mean, that means great. You're shooting really great. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, I find it quite important for my shooting to not have too fancy of an arrow, if that makes sense. Because it's so easy to come up to a target and you look at it and you think, okay, I think it's this distance. I have to aim there. Great. But then if you notice there's like a cliff or a brick wall or like a drop behind the animal yeah. and you're like, I don't want to lose this arrows, you might sort of aim a bit lower to be safe. Uh-huh. Whereas when you've got arrows that 
work well, but they're quite cheap, they're easy to replicate. It's like, I'm just going to go for it. If the arrow dies, it dies. I don't really care. <laughs> That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude. Um, so, so speaking of that, so a good transition into how you deal with pressure. I think you've already kind of given us some insights on, on, on some little tidbits on, on how you deal with your pressure, but I was on, so I've had a couple of people that have been at the world archery on, on, on my podcast, uh, on quick shots here. And they said they were not prepared for the level of difficulty on, on the course in world archery, the targets, I have pictures of the targets from world archery 3d. There's some tiny, tiny animals. I mean, well, that's the French one. The French one. Yeah. Yeah. That French, that, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, yeah, that exactly right. That French shoot. They're like tiny animals. And, uh, you know, guys, I know that I've never seen miss a target in their lives. were missing on those targets. So how do you, so how do you deal with that pressure going into an international event? Um, and then, actually, you know, and, and shooting longbow for one, um, or sorry, flat bow, uh, and, <laughs> you know, and then, and then having that pressure, how do you, how do you deal with pressure? Because that's, that seems to be a key thing for everyone nowadays. It's like archery, people in archery are getting so much better. We're getting, you can see the scores going up and up and up. Um, and so the pressure is just building and compounding. How do you deal with it? Um, there's definitely different types of pressure. Um, when you're talking about things like shooting a longbow or having these tiny targets that you need to hit, for me, that doesn't add any pressure because all my competitors are in the same boat. So if my scores are lower than they would normally be because of the course or some sort of external factor like that, so is everyone else's scores are going to be lower. So that's not really something that's ever bothered me. Um, in terms of pressure of being at those sorts of competitions, it's, it's more of a case of I enjoy it too much to let the stress get to me. Um, I've never sort of gone to those competitions being like, I need to do well. It's always been, I'm going to go there, I'm going to shoot my best. Everyone else is going to go there and they're going to shoot their best. End of the day, the person whose best was better is going to win. And it's more of a social thing for me than a competition. So even when I'm shooting against my competitors, I want them to be doing well. It's, I'm friends with so many people that are my competition and that I'm supposed to want to beat. But it's a case of we're all there, we all know what we're doing, we're all shooting arrows, and it's really enjoyable, and I try to focus on that rather than how many people may be watching or what expectations might be on me. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so, I mean, I think it's universal then, you know, it, that seems pretty universal. We have here over in the United States and Canada, when you go to competition, you want the best for everyone. In fact, you know, you know who some of the top competitors are and, and yeah, you want to compete against them, but you want them to do good. You want them to do their best. You never have any ill will. At least I've never seen that, that in our traditional community. So it sounds like it's the same and same for you and the same internationally. So, so that's, that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. Like, I've heard so many stories of internationals going ahead um, where somebody might turn up and either their bow has got lost 
um, hasn't arrived in the country or they've had equipment failure and can't carry on. And their competitors would be like, oh, here's my space. Use that. Nice. And I love it. I love it's, it too. There's not many sports where that sort of thing happens. And I think that's why I've stuck with archery as long as I have and why I love it so much is because of the community, even the community amongst people you're supposed to want to beat. Yeah. How are you, how are you making out now? How are you making out this year? I mean, obviously you guys are on lockdown. Uh, yes. with you. Lockdown number three. Lockdown number three. Oh, okay. All right. So, so tell us what your routine is now. How are you doing? Are you doing archery? What give, give us the rundown on what's going on. I've not shot an arrow yet this year. Um, <laughs> slightly kills me. Um, we're, yeah, we're currently in third lockdown where, um, like, essential work only you're only allowed to uh, leave home for sort of essential reasons and for some reason they don't class archery as essential <laughs> mentally um, for us it's essential <laughs> yeah um unfortunately yeah here in the uk we have small houses small gardens i probably could get about seven meters if i wanted to shoot at home but it's not really gone above freezing so far this year and standing outdoors in that weather to shoot seven meters isn't really something that I'm bothered about. No, I, no, I understand. So do, is there a, sort of a reprieve in sight that, you know, you're going to be able to get out eventually? Um, government is currently talking about reopening schools towards the middle of next month, so middle of March. Um, and then depending on how hospital numbers and things go from there, um, possibility of opening up outdoor exercise and sports from possibly the end of next month. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at maybe six weeks. Okay, well, you know, here, here's here's hoping and praying that you guys get back at it because it's, it's nice to see you shooting and, and that and just being a great example and role model, really. Um, I, I think again, I, I just want to keep uh, telling people, go see what you're doing online. I mean, I know it's older, a little bit older stuff, but, but again, it's still relevant, right? I, the form just looks fantastic. I love it. Um, what's something that, you know, like as a beginner, like if you were coaching a beginner, what, what's the one thing that you think would be, have the most impact on that beginner to, to make them have an immediate impact on their shooting? Um, in terms of the physical shooting, it's difficult because it's so different for everybody. Okay. I, I can give one person some advice that will work for them, won't work for somebody else. That same advice might work for somebody else later on, but at the moment they need to be focusing on something else. Um, so the sort of mentality is the only thing I would sort of use as a blanket for everyone of when people are getting into competitive archery. Um, scores are definitely important if you want to be competitive but I always sort of encourage people to use what score they might get at a competition um, not have that affect how much of an enjoyment they get out of the sport or that event um, like I've been to shoots where it's very rare, but being to shoots where the club's a bit snobby or I'm in a group of people who are just throwing tantrums and generally being miserable about their day of shooting. And I might break a British record, but it's not a good day shooting because 
it wasn't a fun experience. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, um, the World Champion Canada Beautiful Arts was a brilliant example. Um, it was my first time outside of Europe. I we went with a really good team, a really fun team. Um, Lakeland Archers who hosted uh, were absolutely amazing, some of the most friendly people we've ever met, and had a really good week at that competition. But during qualification, one of your lovely mosquitoes bit me on my hand, and I had an allergic reaction. Oh, no. So I shot the, most of the qualification and the entirety of the elimination with a bow hand twice the size it should have been. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, so accuracy wasn't a thing that was possible. Like, there was just no way to be consistent. And it was one of my worst sort of performances, score-wise, at an international ever. Yeah. But it was one of my favourite trips because of the people and because of the experience and because of how much I learned of, okay, I know I'm not competitive right now. What can I do to get most out of this trip? without sort of focusing on the things that I can't change. Yeah. And so, yeah, so attitude and sort of enjoyment factor to me is way more important than whatever scores you may or may not be hitting. No, that's, that was a great lesson. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great story. First of all, Canada is beautiful and I apologize for our mosquitoes. <laughs> they are horrendous. They are horrendous. And uh, I'm sorry that you had that, that experience with the hand, but like you said, I mean, if you can pull something out of it, it's such great advice. I mean, every time you go to a league, anytime you shoot league or whatever, you might have a bad score, but what is the positives you pull out of it? You always got to stay for me personally for 2021. I've, I've what I've tried to do is think about, the positives only focus on positives, not just in archery, but in life. Right. Um, there's been so many negatives in 2020 and, you know, and so we, we're trying to get past that. We're trying to get into the positive part of life, just that positive thinking and positive reinforcement. I think it's going to keep us sane. If we don't do that. Um, I think it's just good advice, archery and in life as well. So um, <laughs> is there anything else? So we'll kind of close with this. Anything else you want to tell us about yourself that uh, maybe people don't know or that you want to share or something interesting? Um, nope. Not really sure. I, I try to be You're as well. sort of honest on sort of online um, as I can be. I sort of, if I'm having a sort of good score or bad score, I'll share either sort of, I do try again, focus on the sort of, um, enjoyment factor and what I've learned and what I've got out of the experience rather than I scored this many points. Because um, there's so much online where you see people when they'll post every time they get a good score. Yeah. And then people following them will be like, oh, they shoot those scores all the time. And it's like, mm, that's just the ones they tell you about. Yeah. Um, so you're telling me you have integrity. That's, you, that's kind of yeah. novel. That's weird. That's very strange. Very strange attitude to have. Being, having. I think it's more a case of I don't care what people think. <laughs> um, if again, I'm a female on the internet, I get a lot of hate. It's part of the thing that happens. Um, but that bothers me. That's that's button is your friend. That's that statement bothers me so much it's such a sad state of affairs, you know, and, and you're, you're not wrong to say it, 
right? Yeah. You're not, and you, it's not a unique thing for you to say that a female on the internet getting all kinds of hate. I don't understand that where this is coming from. Um, I, I've interviewed some really fantastic women on this podcast. Um, archers that I would, I look up to, and I don't care if they're male or female. They just, these guys are really good. You know, you guys are really good. And like I said, I just love the way you shoot. I wish I could do it. I can't, right. I can't, I probably can after years and years and years, but your experience and your level of commitment to archery is, is fantastic. And that's what kind of drew me into, to, to, to asking you to be on the podcast. Uh, I think you're fantastic. Um, so I want to thank you again very much for being on the podcast today. Uh, I learned so much about, you know, you and it's great to, to meet you. Uh, and I also learned a lot about, you know, the way you guys pick your, uh, your team in, in, in Britain. So I think that's. I will say now these days we do select our team based on score shot on 3D courses. That is one improvement that we've made. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, it was a journey to get there. That, that's good. They, they finally are shipping 3D targets to, uh, uh, that little island you live on. Um, that's great. That's awesome. No, I'm just, it's a little, dig. I'm just having a little dig there. It's, it's a colonial thing, which is what we do. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And don't forget to check out minions of Nurgle on uh, Instagram, give her a follow. Uh, and then uh, just, just kind of take a look at everything that she's doing. It's fantastic. And if you've got this far, don't forget to uh, like subscribe and hit that share button and tell a lot of people about this uh, podcast. It's um, it's growing. And if you happen to be a traditional archer and you want to be on the podcast, leave me a note and uh, we'll try and get you on. But until then um, stay positive, test negative, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much again, Millie.